0: Today, we are springboarding off of that into a a new series that we're calling One Degree Different, how one small step can change everything. I'm from this area. I was born down uh, in Passa, get down Dina, about an hour south of here, lived most of my life in the greater Houston area, a couple of stints outside of there, but I, I know this place really well, but still, wherever I go, wherever I drive, I like to turn on my little GPS on my phone. I usually, you know, Google or Waze or one of those things. Uh, wherever I'm going, I map it on my phone, and I do that just in case there's traffic or something like that, you know, just it might uh, give me a, a different alternate route. It's also good to let you know if there's an accident up ahead or something like that or, or police, uh, you know, waiting ahead. Not that I'm speeding, but sometimes I'm, a, well, I'm speeding. And so it's good to have <laughs> something that tells you, apply your brake. And so wherever I go now, I, I have that on there. Even if I'm, I'm heading home, I'll plug that in there. And I have this wonderful uh, British lady who tells me where to go. You know, on your phone, you can tell it what accent you like. If you like, you know, man, woman, British, American, Australian, whatever it is. And I don't know, there's something about that that, that British accent. It makes me feel really cool. It makes me feel kind of like I'm James Bond. And like M's telling me the, the route to the drop or something like that. Um, don't judge me, Rick. That's my... It's... <laughs> This is my little game. So, anyway, so, so I'm driving along, and I have a British little GPS lady, uh, you know, and she tells me I 45 up ahead, 0.3 miles, turn right. And I know if, if I wanted to be really authentic, she would probably speak in kilometers, but I'm an American and I don't know what a kilometer is still. <laughs> I know, like, you can go 200 kilometers an hour and still be under the speed limit. So it's really pretty meaningless for me, so I I stick with the miles. Um, But I love it. It's great. And you know what else is great about uh, my uh, British lady GPS? If I miss the exit, she acts like it was all part of the plan. She just says, rerouting, take the next exit, right? She, She doesn't yell at me. She doesn't say, you idiot, for the ninth time, you have missed it again. What are you thinking? If I get in the slow lane or something like that, she doesn't yell at me or anything like that. She's very politely. She just keeps saying, rerouting, turn left ahead. I love it. She's just great. Um, and here's the thing so our lives are a little bit uh, like that. We, a little bit like driving with uh, the GPS on. And you can think of Little Miss GPS as kind of the Holy Spirit uh, talking to us, except that our job in real life isn't to tell her where we want to go, it's her job to tell us where. She wants us to go. And so as we're going through life, sometimes we'll be heading in this direction, but the Holy Spirit, if we're really listening, will say, rerouting, (laughs) right? Have you ever had the Holy Spirit tell you that? Rerouting, time for a close correction. Veer off in this direction, right? Now, if we're listening, God is always doing this. He's always doing this. He's always helping us make... A hundred little one-degree shifts every single day, if we're tuning in, to He helps us navigate our landscape. And sometimes it's because we've gotten off track. We've all been there. And we need that little voice go, you need to reroute, <laughs> right? You need to get back on track. And sometimes it's because we, uh, we, He wants us to take a detour in ways that we were not expecting. He, he wants us to go to a place because He knows there's a better blessing than what was on our original agenda. All right? Oh, he's cool. She can help me pray. Yeah, she can help me. All right. Uh, Over in Proverbs, it says this. The writer says, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. So we plan our course. What's the phrase? Like, life is what happens while you're making plans. We plan our course. That's good. But the Lord establishes our steps. So it's all about learning to allow the Holy Spirit to bring our lives into conformity, with the kingdom of God, not to allow all the noise to, to direct our lives, but to listen to that Holy Spirit. God might be calling us, He might be calling you into a new role in the, in the body of Christ, but our job is to listen to that Holy Spirit and, and listen for that rerouting, rerouting. Time for a bit of a course correction. Because here's the thing, if I'm just going in one direction and I just make a two-inch course correction, just a slight little variation. As I walk along, that difference increases over time, doesn't it? And if I walk for a mile, it could be the case where I'll end up at a whole different destination than I thought I was going. And if you go for 10 miles, where you're going to end up at a Far away from your original destination. That makes sense. That's just logic, right? Um, airplane pilots learn something called the one in 60 rule. And it states that if a pilot veers just one degree off of their course, he'll be one mile off target for every 60 miles he travels. And now, you know, if you're going slow, that's no big deal, but in a, like in a, if you're driving, or driving, if you're flying an air, airliner or something, that can happen in like 10 minutes. You can go 60 miles like that. You'll be one mile, of course, for every 60 miles. And so you can just imagine what seems like a tiny alteration has huge results. Well, in our everyday life, usually when people think about change, they get... Some people have different reactions. Some of us are wired differently. Some people are like, yeah, I'm all about change. Like, let's adapt. Let's do something. But other people are kind of like change phobic. And when you think about big changes in your life, uh, you know, here at the first of the year is kind of a common time. We flip the calendar over. It feels different. feels new. So we ha- sort of have sometimes sort of a fresh commitment. I'm going to do that thing that I'm, I've never been able to do before. I'm going to recreate myself. But sometimes when we think about change in our life, uh, we think we've got to overhaul the whole thing all at once. And for most of us, with the momentum of life, you know, you've been doing it this way forever and ever and ever, and you think you're going to overhaul everything. We try that. We usually end up disappointed and disillusioned and quitting. And so people get discouraged, and they think, well, I can't make that huge of a change, apparently, and they don't change anything. They don't change anything. It's like, I can't do that, so I'm just going to stay the way I am. But see, God doesn't usually call us to make the one-mile course correction all at once. If you're looking down that road, that one-mile course correction, you might freak out. You might be like, well, I can't make that kind of a change, right? For instance, you might hear, you know, in Christian circles uh, that God makes us fearless. We have a sign down by the road that says, God's love makes you fearless. And there's another way to read that sign, though, and that is that God's love makes you fearless. And sometimes for some of us, we're like the idea of, of being fearless is just, I know me. That's just not going to happen, right? I'm just freaked out by everything. There's no way. But maybe, maybe God could nudge you one degree to the right and help you this year to fear a little less, to fear less, right? Trust God more. Maybe you can't see yourself being completely free of hurt and anger and bitterness that you're carrying around. You'd love to, but you just can't see it. It's just not even, it's not possible. There's too much in there. But maybe you can start by forgiving that person today. And then tomorrow, you forgive them again, right? And then God works from there, and the tomorrows take care of itself. See, God's not calling you to make a 10-mile change. He's calling you to make a two-inch change, a one-degree change. And if you make that two-inch change and you keep on walking, you know what? The miles are going to take care of themselves. You're going to look back and you're going to say, I'm far away from where I was headed. I'm far away from where I was headed. And so you may not be able ready for that 10-mile change right now. But in the process, God will prepare you. He'll prepare you. What's great about that is He's preparing you so that by the time you get there, you're actually a lot more comfortable with that new destination than, than you, you would have been. So we make those course corrections one step at a time, inch by inch. I'm speaking in kind of generalities right now, but, but I, we're, we're going to get more specific about this. Let me, let me talk for a second about the concept of calling. A calling, There's evidence, we see kind of like two different types of calling. One, there's a common area of calling, and this is the kind of calling that we all have. Everyone in this room has a calling. Our common calling is we are all called to look like Jesus. Every single one of us, we're all called to look like Jesus. If you're a Christ follower, you're called to look like Jesus, to love like Jesus. Uh, whatever your career is, whatever your situation in life is, whatever your circumstances are, uh, you're called to love like him, serve like Jesus, forgive like Jesus, and all the rest. You know, what, what, the purpose statement of, of this church is that we, we come. Why do we assemble here every Sunday? What's the use? I mean, you got podcasts you go, listen. To. Why are we here? It's to help each other be more like Jesus. We help each other. It's, it's a, you know, it's a together kind of thing. We're helping each other become like Jesus. That's the common call. But on top of that, there's a particular call. There's a particular call. We all have a unique role to play in the body of Christ in, in furthering the kingdom. And that call doesn't just come to you once. It's not just on your 18th birthday, you get the call of God, and then you don't hear from Him again, it's, that's almost never how it works. It never works like that. The call doesn't just come to you at one point in your life. You, you, know, you plug that destination in and go there no matter what. Oh, when we're on this road of life here. Uh, Miss British GPS in your heart, she is going, if you're listening, she's going to give you uh, rerouting, rerouting, All the, if we're listening, if we're tuned in, if we're responding to it. So how are we stepping into that call? The Scriptures say this in in Hebrews chapter 11 about a father Abraham. It says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. The trouble is, though, he went out not knowing where he was going. So, here's Abraham. He's living fat and happy in his homeland of Ur, which is modern-day Iraq. And he's been living there for 40 years. He's got a happy camper life. Everything's going good. But then the Spirit says, time to reroute. Time to reroute. I want you to leave Ur and start heading out, and I'll give you more information as is necessary. I'll give you more information on on the way. He didn't tell Abraham everything that was going to happen. He didn't tell Abraham, I'm taking you to this place that's going to be called Israel someday, because it wasn't called anything at the time. It was just this big wild land full of nomadic tribes. You know, this place, they don't even speak your language. It's a whole different language. And so he calls Abraham one step at a time. And if you're traveling someplace and you don't know where the ultimate destination is, like if that's how you like to take vacations, where you just like hop in the car and go, that is called an adventure. That's the definition of an adventure, and there is an adventuresome component to all of God's calls. There's an adventuresome component. When He calls you from the place that you're comfortable with, it's routine, it's known, it's comfortable, it's organized, I know where everything is. He calls on you to make that one-degree shift and veer off the path that you assumed you would be going that doesn't sound like much, but when we take that one degree shift, it's just a couple of steps before you are off of the yellow brick road and you are, you know, in the wildlands, where everything in your brain is telling you this is not comfortable, this is not what I understand, this is not what is known, this is not predictable, what are you doing? But that's what he does is he calls us step by step to leave the familiar and go into the land of the unfamiliar. And, and you don't know ahead of time what all is going to happen as a result. He gives you the information as you need it. It's what he did with Abraham. That is the place of faith. That is the walk of faith. That is the life of faith. It's the domain, not of the domestic, but of the wild. I'm titling this first message in our series, The Call of the Wild, because this is so often where it sounds like God's voice is coming from. When I'm tuned in and I, I, I pick up his voice, it sounds like, Oh, that's not where I was expecting you to be talking to me from. That's not the place I expected you to tell me to go. It's, it's the call of the wild. He takes us from what we know into the unfamiliar, the untamed. Um, a pastor, writer, I really like a lot, uh, by the name of Mark Batterson, wrote a book Uh, a couple, I don't know, 15 years ago or something like that called The Wild Goose Chase, and it was, it's one of these books, I read a lot of books, and it's one of these books, if I had to put on my list of like kind of things that course corrected me, everything about the way I think, this was one of them. It's just this amazing little book, but he talks about, you've probably heard me talk about it before, but he talks about the, the, uh, the Celts, way hundreds of hundreds of years ago. The old Celts that lived in Scotland and Ireland and those areas up there, if you've ever seen the movie Braveheart, we're all painted up blue. That kind of came from that Celtic culture. They were wild and crazy people and, you know, danced naked around the fire and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, these Celts, well, when the missionaries came and brought Jesus to them, it didn't civilize them. They were still kind of wild and crazy, but now they're Christians, right? They're, they're like full gospel Celts or something like that. I don't know. They're <laughs> charismatic Celts. And so, and so they are—and uh, and w- the other interesting thing, though, so these missionaries come from the Mediterranean area. That's where the missionaries came from, and they bring the story of the gospel and the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, as we know it, is represented by a dove, Right? That's the dove. He's peaceful. He's calm. He coos as he flies by. He's very nice. We like that. We like that, Holy Spirit. Um, the peaceful Holy Spirit. Well, when he got to there, he's explaining. You know, they, when they explain to the Celts what the Holy Spirit does and they're translating it into their culture and their language, they didn't see him as a dove. What they saw when they looked up in the sky were these loud, squawking, wild geese these wild geese, and that is what they called the Holy Spirit. They thought of him as the wild goose. They called him that, the wild goose, on gate glass, the wild goose. And because the Holy Spirit comes in, yeah, he, he'll, he'll comfort you when you need it, but a lot of times he's just disruptive right? He just discombobulates everything that you had all nice and neat and orderly, right? He squawks. They're, they're big, loud, squawky animals, right? They're not like graceful, beautiful swans. They're squawky. And so the, the Holy Spirit comes in, this wild goose comes in. And uh, I just love that. I love that idea of the Holy Spirit. That's always stuck with me, that the Holy Spirit, he comes in, and he will send you on a wild goose chase, all right? And when he sends you on a wild goose chase, that's the life of faith right there. You just look out. I I love that. And I can tell you from experience that the wild goose will lead you into wild places you never expected and probably wouldn't even agree to if you could have seen it all at once. Um, I'll make a confession to you. I never wanted to be a pastor, Never. (laughs) Um, uh, I I grew up in a a church home. I was very blessed. Um, I didn't want it. My grandfather was a a pastor, a great, great man of God. Uh, My father was and is a pastor, and uh, he was always really great. He never pushed me. He was, you know, he'd always, he might ask me every once in a while, like, you ever see yourself doing this? And I'd be like, heavens no, right? Um, I see what those people do to you. And so, right, there was no way. There's no way, but both of these men, my grandfather come from this heritage, my grandfather and my father looking up to them, I would see that I saw them as spiritual giants. In my eyes, and I, I never could see myself being that. It also looked like no fun at all, just no fun <laughs> at all, uh, especially for someone who, you know, I've told you before, I, I'm kind of on the shy side. I'm just that's my DNA. I'm on the shy side. I'd, I really prefer to kind of sit back and observe people more than preach to them. Like I would be most happy in your spot right now. Um, just, just let's look at let's look at all the people and figure them out. Um, <laughs> right? He's laughing because he knows. Um, I'm I'm kind of a bookworm. Uh, You know, I I just, I've never been, I'd never been one of these fiery, like, blood and sweat. Nobody's ever gotten sweat on them in one of my sermons, right? (laughs) You can sit closer. You won't get sweated on. Um, You know, I'm not one of those alpha male types. Kind of a nerd. Just kind of a nerd. And even, you know, when I came back to the Lord, because, um, you know, kind of wandered there for a while and went crazy, and then came back to the Lord in my early 20s, and even then when I told the Lord, I said, God, I love you, I'll serve you, I'll serve you all my life, I'll do anything you call me to, I mean, except for pastoring, of course, but I'll do anything. <laughs> and he's so hilarious, God's so funny, he's so funny. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not naturally patient with people, my dad, oh. The patience—he's like Jesus, right? He just will just listen, and yes, yes, you've made this mistake a hundred times. Let's pray about it again, and let me—I I believe you can do it this time. And I'm just like, you are an idiot, right? But the Lord's helping me with that. He's helping me. He's helping me. He's guiding me. But I'm not good at administration, board meetings, all uh, balancing budgets. Some of you right now are thinking, like, why is he the pastor? Again? Um, um, Which all these things, you know, I thought you had to be good to pastor a church. Praise the Lord. We have a wonderful team who is great at administration of board meetings. (laughs) Balancing budgets. We've got the smartest, most awesome team in the world. Um, The thing that I... I did love is studying the Bible. I love studying the Bible. I love digging into Scripture. I love chewing on it and learning the history of it, the context of it, uh, the truth of what God is trying to communicate not only to that generation when he wrote it, but to us today, what it means. I love to be a tour guide of this beautiful, mysterious, amazing, uh, inspired Word of God to other people. I, I have a love of seeing people's lives changed and unstuck from, from where they're at and the trajectory that they're, they're on to seeing God take them to a new trajectory. I have a love of that. And if it's not obvious by now, I have a hopeless, forever, eternal love for my Jesus Christ. I love Him so much in what He says and who He is and how He transforms our image of who God is. So 19 years ago, back in 2002, um, it'll be 19 years in this March, my wife Melissa and I moved back from Austin, a city we loved, um, a career path that just was exciting. Thought of, that was exactly what we wanted to do, to come and do the thing that I was most confident I would never do, and that is to come home and go into ministry, assisting my dad, assisting our founder, founding pastor. Using whatever means God gave me to to just come alongside the amazing people who are at this church. Second day on the job, we got here, we moved back. Second day on the job, we're on a plane to Africa. We're going to Kenya. Never thought I would never saw myself. You know, you were saying those same things. I remember one time. Uh, just never saw myself doing that. On a plane to Kenya, going to see these precious people, meeting all these people. One week later, preaching my very first sermon I'd ever preached before in my whole life in a village in the town of Molo. I'll never forget it. It's this, it's this town west of Kenya. It's this hill town up in the clouds, like with sheep everywhere. Mel and I, we both, we're, we're like, are we in Ireland? This is the weirdest place ever. It's not what I kid. And we're preaching in this church. First sermon of my life. I still got the notes. And uh, with, a, with a translator by my side, just an amazing thing. And there I was with Melissa, who 22 years ago when we married, I promised her two things. I promised, I will love you forever, Amen. and I've kept that promise, Amen. and you will never have to be a pastor's wife. <laughs> I was a little premature with that one. She was like, if you promise, uh, but praise God. But guess what? Neither of us would trade any of that, any of it for the world. We wouldn't trade it for the world today because, and neither would Mel, I know, because God has proven himself so faithful over and over. He's proves himself faithful. On a daily basis, he proves himself faithful every, through every single little course correction in our, in our lives. He's taken us on. And, and folks, sometimes God takes you on unexpected detours. He does. Things that weren't on our radar screen, weren't part of the plan. And you find this all through the Bible. It's not just Abraham, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was, at the time, his name was Saul. He's going along with his happy Pharisee life, uh, persecuting Christians, fighting for truth, justice in the Jewish way. And he's going along, and Jesus literally shows up and knocks him off his high horse and says, you're going to follow me now. I'm going to make you a church planner, and, and stop killing people while you're at it. So, he, I mean, he did that. And then Peter, the Apostle Peter, started off he's over here just doing his little fishing gig. He's a happy fisherman, right? He loves it. He's catching them. He's gutting them. He's selling them. You know, he's doing and mending his nets. He's doing the fisherman thing. And Jesus walks along and says, hey, dude, you're going to follow me now. Let's go catch some people. I'm going to make a fisherman of people. And you find that throughout the book of Acts. Sometimes the disciples, um, they're headed into a city, and that wild goose shows up and says, no, 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 rerouting. Rewriting, we're not going to go to that city. We're going to go to this city. God has a way of interrupting our plans. It's not always convenient, and it is often surprising. Now, listen, I know the really exciting stories in the Bible. Uh, and the exciting stories that you probably heard, you know, famous people talk about, their exciting stories are, you know, they're, they're always like God tells someone to drop everything, to drop their, quit their job, sell everything, move to another country or something like that. And I understand that's why those stories are famous. That's why they got written down, because they're exciting. But in real everyday life, listen to me now, in real everyday life, the call of God on you to, to go into unexpected places, it's usually not to go into the missions field Usually it's about becoming more missional in your everyday life, for instance. It's about opening your eyes to the hundreds of chances that God is putting in your way to bless other people, to be generous, to be a witness, to step out of your comfort zone, to allow God to disrupt your schedule you had, just to bless, to let the wild goose disrupt your routine, to crucify your, your agenda and your cause to be the light of Christ's love and His hope and His peace to a dying world. The world has plenty of people to lead them into causes. What the world needs is you to show them hope, to show them light, to show them the love of Christ. And see, it's when you say yes to that call, to something you weren't planning on doing that wasn't on your radar, sc- radar screen, I'm telling you, that's when things get interesting. Yeah. That's when things get interesting. Christianity is profoundly boring if it's like just a little bit of Jesus added to your agenda. Amen. It is so boring to live that way. Boring at best. It's dangerous at worst yeah. to stick a little Jesus sticker onto your because Come back, come back. Course correct. <laughs> See, things, but things get interesting, man. Things get interesting when, when um, you have your GPS on and the Spirit is talking and He interrupts you and He says, I want you to turn two inches to the right. I want you to go over here and keep your GPS on because I might give you more instructions down the road. Don't just turn it off. He's going to give you more instructions. That's when it becomes an adventure. That's that leaving the, the, the comfy, the cozy, the domestic farm-raised order of the same old, same old and obeying that call of the wild. When you respond to the call of God, when you get that stirring in your belly, and that's usually what it is, the Holy Spirit, when He talks to you, it's usually not a big audible voice. It would be nice, it would be nice if He yelled out to you, take the next exit. Usually, He doesn't do that. You know, if He told you, buy Bitcoin in August, you know, for a salt room like that, He usually doesn't tell you that. He usually, it's that stirring in your spirit. And when you respond, don't turn it off. Keep listening, Because God doesn't give you the roadmap for your life. He just doesn't do it that way. He doesn't lay it out before you with the highways all highlighted. He doesn't do that. He says, make a two-inch course course correction and keep walking. Trust me. Make a one-degree change and trust me. Just like Abraham. Just like Abraham. He he didn't he, he didn't tell him his ultimate destination. He said, get out of Ur and head in this direction. God gives, it's like God gives us a flashlight so we can see you know, a foot ahead of us. He doesn't give us a floodlight so we can see 10 miles ahead. He gives you a flashlight. That's the walk of faith. It's good. And it's really good, actually, because if we could see the 10-mile destination, a lot of us would say, nope, thank you. Jonah. <laughs> right? Jonah, exactly. There you go. No, thank you. Nineveh is not for me. So we can, he knows we can't handle a 10-mile change, but we can handle a two-inch change. He knows you can handle a two-inch change, and that's where the blessings are, folks. You find, you'll find yourself blessed in ways that you never even dreamed of when you say yes to that call. Uh, this, I'm telling you, this, this bookworm geek here, uh, I never dreamed that I would be uh, a lead pastor in the church that my parents founded 37 years ago. I never dreamed it, uh, and it has its challenges. It definitely does, but responding to the call always has its challenges, it always has its challenges. And I'm telling you, it has been such a blessing. It's a blessing uh, to, to see this church, uh, that this church, 37 years after its founding, is still standing firm in its community, being a blessing to our community, being a blessing to the world, this community that we're, blessed, uh, we're planted in. And, and I'm so just fortunate to have the privilege of, of building, along, building on that alongside you. Because I, I, we're building into this new decade. I think this new decade is going to be amazing. I think this is going to be our roaring 20s. I really do. I, you know, the 1920s, are roaring 20s, tw- I think this is going to be our roaring 20s. I think it is. And who knows what God has in store for us? Who knows what wild lands God is going to take us into, people? Come on, man. Come on. I wouldn't trade anything to experience that with you. I wouldn't trade anything. On April 13, 1970, uh, Apollo 13 spacecraft was carrying three astronauts to the moon. We'd already been to the moon, so this was just supposed to be another trip. We had it down now. Everything was going to go like clockwork, and so this was going to be great. Halfway to the moon, an oxygen tank exploded. You know the story probably. And suddenly, these three guys in this tiny little capsule, they found themselves. All of their breathable air is leaking into the vastness of space. And not only that, but it got off their, their center of gravity. So the capsule's tumbling and it's off trajectory. It's tumbling out of alignment, drifting off course. And Commander Jim Lovell radios back to mission control the famous words Houston, we've had a problem. Their mission immediately changed. The goal's no longer let's get to the moon and take some samples. The goal is now let's stay alive and get back to Earth. But to navigate their way home, uh, the crew needed to locate stars because their computer systems are going out. So they locate stars and constellations. That's hard because the explosion had created all this shrapnel and debris around the capsule, even looking out the window. So they had to use the sun to navigate, where to reorient themselves. And it took all of them to do it. It took one of them on the navigation controls. One of them's checking the crosshairs of the little telescope that they have. And one's looking out the window to call out when the sun is starting to come through the window. Meanwhile, there's an entire team of engineers here on the planet who are working around the clock to figure out a way to preserve their air, preserve their fuel, to get them home. And they're having to only use the materials they have in there. So they're having to like, how do we use duct tape and barf bags to get these astronauts back home? Because that's all they have. You can't Home Depot a shipment or anything. How do we fix the leakage? Meanwhile, their trajectory keeps going off course. If they shifted just a tiny degree, a tiny less than one degree, off course. Now, they would miss the earth completely 200,000 miles later. miss the planet. There it goes. Just one degree. Every minute they were getting closer to earth, so they had to make continual course corrections. Continual course corrections. And again, it would take all three of them to do it. There's one of them who's timing how long to burn the engines. One of them is steering the ship sideways, and the other one is steering the ship upside down. It's not how this capsule was designed to fly. It wasn't at all, but it worked. And their mission became known as the greatest successful failure. The greatest successful failure because they didn't walk on the moon, but every single one of those men lived to walk on the earth again. The greatest successful failure. This story, for me, it illustrates another important point about this course correcting. When we answer the call of the wild, we cannot do it alone. You're not doing it alone. So whether God, what He needs to do to you is, is nudge you back on course, to nudge you back in line after you've struggled with something, or maybe he's calling, he's calling you from the wild to nudge you into some brave new detour. Every single one of us are dependent on each other to survive. We're not islands in the sea. We're not islands in the sea. We're less like islands and a lot more like electrons, you know electrons they 're constantly just flying around and bumping into each other and it changes their their trajectory and motions they 're interacting with each other. My life is not this still static thing i 'm not a monolith i 'm not unmoving and unmoved by other people around me. I am continually affected by the influence of other people, the people in my life. I am continually affected by the needs of other people that 's why it's so important to surround myself with people who I know will influence me for good, who are nudging me one degree in the right direction. It's so important, right? My spouse, my family, my, the, the, the ministry team that I have the pleasure of working with, all of you here at Generations, my friends who keep me uh, accountable and honest and check on my spiritual health and encourage me, those are the people. These are people who We all help each other grow into the fullness of Christ. And if any one of us find our trajectories a little off, having people you trust to help you course correct back toward Christ, it's so valuable. We help nudge each other back in line with God's path. Like those three astronauts, side by side in that tiny capsule, we call out to each other, we call out, and we help each other see sometimes what the others can't see, sometimes what we can't see ourselves as we navigate the pitfalls of this life. You know, the book of James says this, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I I read the scripture one time and I had someone email me. They're like, I'm not sure I believe that. You know, because that's just, confess our sins to each other. I'm I'm sorry, take it up with James, right? I I didn't write it. But God can do great things, and He works within, He works with you, but He works with us within the community of faith. Do you understand? He works with you within the community of faith that is the church. So we have to be careful. And and we have to be careful about getting into this sort of me and God mindset. It's so easy to do. And we can feel really spiritual while we're doing it. Because it's all about me and God. Man, I've just had some really good time. This prayer time with God I've had this week, and I've really been digging into the Word, and God told me stuff, and I'm going to do it. And it's just, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. But outside of community, this me and God thing can, can start to get a little strange. It can get a little strange. And if your theology would not look any different if there was no community, then there might be something off with that. There might be something off with that. It, it, don't, we don't get, it's like saying it's just, it's just all about me and my pinky toe. I don't need anything but my pinky toe, right? It, I don't need the rest of my body to walk. If it's just all about you and God or you and your pinky toe, you're going to walk with a limp. You're going to walk with a limp. If the dreams that God is leading you into, and, and so many of you here today, you have dreams. You have something in your heart. It might be a big spiritual world-changing dream. It might just be a little course correction. You feel like God is nudging you towards but if, if it doesn't require you being in fellowship with other people, if it doesn't require you to be in fellowship with the body of Christ, if your dreams don't require you to be in community, then, then just take a long look at those dreams because there might be a crucial component you're missing in the picture because that's how God works. It's how he works. He works you into a body of people like working yeast into the dough. That's how he works. Oh, and by the way, when you have a whole Community of people, like right here at Generation's Church, would you have a whole bunch of people saying yes to God? That is the recipe for a beautiful adventure. That is a call of the wild I want to be a part of. That's a church I want to be a part of. When you have a whole bunch of people hearing this call of the wild and saying yes together. Amen? The takeaway bring this to a conclusion. The takeaway is this: when you're saying yes to the call of God, remember that God, he's not a theory, he's real, he's still in the miracle working business. If we'll trust him, if we'll head in that direction, God can do things with us that we cannot imagine doing on our own. What's impossible for you is not impossible with God. Never forget, we're called to walk by faith, not by sight, right? We're called to walk by faith, we're, not, we're, we're called to not walk according to our, our capacity, but according to his capacity, trusting, just like Paul said, that God is able to do exceedingly far above, abundantly more than we ever asked or imagined. That's our God. So, don't waste your days dreaming man-sized dreams. I get in this rut too sometimes. I just think, well, what's possible? What can we do? And we we, we can waste our whole lives dreaming man-sized dreams. Don't limit yourself to you-sized dreams. Get dreaming God-sized dreams, because it's not about what you can do. It's about what He can do. It's about what God can do through you. And if you'll begin making just that one degree course correction, if you'll begin doing that and start walking, just start walking, just walking. You don't need to know how you'll get there. You don't even know what it's going to look exactly when you, does, when, when you do get there because God does. God knows what it's going to look like. And listen, guys, if it's of God, he'll be faithful to you. Praise the Lord. Amen. If it's of God, it'll be for your good. And listen. If it's of God, it'll look like Jesus. I can't say that strongly enough. If it's of God, it'll look like Jesus. It'll bear his fruit. It'll bear his self-sacrificial love, his humility, his authority, his others-focused generosity, his capacity for grace and forgiveness, his healing power. And if it doesn't look like Jesus and his kingdom, if it doesn't look like that, you're probably on your own. It's probably just something you're on your own. If it looks like the world, if it's all about greed and power and violence and vengeance and fear, if that's what it's all about, I don't care what political leader is selling it to you. I don't care what YouTube prophet is selling it to you. I don't care what your uncle's neighbor's ex-military buddy is selling it to you. If it's not looking like Jesus... It's, it's probably something you want to steer away from. Don't put your trust in that. Don't put your trust in that. And don't just stick a Jesus label on it and call it of God. Right? If, if you're just sticking something with a Jesus label on it, don't sell it to me. I'm, I'm going to lovingly say no thank you. Amen? So I want to ask you, I want to ask you, is the Spirit maybe calling us somewhere? Is, is some of us out here, is, the, is your GPS on? Are you willing to let God inconvenience you and interrupt your life? Are you willing to say yes to a two-inch course correction? And, and maybe there's some of us, we just need to stop looking 10 miles down the road. We, I, I understand, we wanna know, we wanna see what it's gonna, we have it all planned out. Stop obsessing over the end result, the, the final destination because some of us, it's just intimidating you into making the first step. Looking 10 miles down the road can stop you from stepping out of the house. Trust God enough to make a one-degree shift and start walking. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Do you remember? He said, don't worry about tomorrow. The tomorrows will take care of themselves. You do today. Be in the now moment. Be in the now moment. When Jesus called the apostles, he didn't tell them. When he went to Peter, who was mending his nets and fishing for fish, he didn't say, Peter, here's the thing. You're going to be famous for thousands of years. You're going to do all this amazing stuff and travel the known world all over the Mediterranean, and then you're going to get killed in a really horrible way. He didn't tell him any of that. He said, hey, bud, follow me. And Peter took one step, and then another, and then another. And that's what he's calling us to do, is follow him. Focus on the little course correction Jesus calling us to make today. Amen? Amen. And as a church, okay, this is closing. number. pastor gave me permission to start making multiple closings. (laughs) So this is closing number two. As a church, as a church, our commitment has got to be that that we're never going to coast. Okay? Coronavirus or no, we can't coast. We can't just coast. There's no coasting in the kingdom. You keep being faithful to what God told you. And we we always want to obey what God told us yesterday, for sure. But have your ears open to him rerouting us at any moment. Do you have your GPS on as a church body? Our commitment has got to be that we're we're never going to let ourselves stop being on an adventure. We're never going to stop taking risks. We're never going to just try to be normal. Be normal, church, and play it safe. Praise God for normal churches. They're called to do something. That's wonderful. But God didn't call us to be normal, He didn't call us to play it safe. Our commitment has got to be that we're going to be everything God has called us to be. No apologies. No fear. Amen. Amen? And here's the thing I thank God, I praise God for all the wonderful things that have happened up to this point. It's been a wonderful 37 years and so many lives have been impacted, and we give God all the glory for that. But that's not what excites us. We are not all excited because of what's happened over the last 37 years. Thank God for that. But what's excite, what excites us is the future, is the future. And faith is always about the future. Faith is always about… You don't need, to, you don't need faith for something that's already happened. That was great. We have gratitude for that. But we have excitement and faith for the future. And our conviction is that there are greater things that lie ahead of us than lie behind us. We believe that with all our hearts, and we want to head into that direction. And so we got to be willing uh, for God to take us into unexpected places. And and listen, your, your definition of church might not be what God has in mind. That's okay. That's okay. You might be like, well, that adventure I went on before was really good, and I liked that. Can't we just do that adventure again? I want to go there. But God might be wanting to lead you to a fresh experience. He might be wanting to lead us to a fresh experience, and he might, want us to gr- he might want to grow us up in ways that are not on our radar. He might want to deepen you and mature you and transform you in ways that might seem kind of weird and foolish and, and, and unexpected. And listen, if you'll let him, if you go into it unafraid, allow him to lead you unafraid. He will reveal things to you that you never knew you were starving for. God has done that for me so many times. I didn't even know I was starving for the things that he's just revealed, just when I'm brave enough to listen. Oh, he'll show you things that you cannot unsee once you see them. And those are beautiful, beautiful things. And yes, it's disruptive sometimes, sometimes it's troubling, but that wild goose, that's the way he is. He disrupts things. And that's where the kingdom is. That's where adventure is. That's where the spirit is. Praise God. Uh, That's what we want as a people. So can our commitment be here this morning, here at the start of 2021, uh, that we will pursue first the kingdom. Jesus said, first pursue the kingdom, the kingdom. Obeying what Jesus said, that's his righteousness. Obeying what Jesus said, both individually in your life during the week and us as a body, us as a unified body. Can we make it our commitment? to pursue the kingdom with every ounce of, of passion within us, knowing that this life is not our own. Some of us, we, we, we live our life like it's ours to own. It's not our own. It belongs to Him. We offer it up to Him for the furthering of His cause, His cause. If we do that, guys, buckle your seat belts, Okay. Above your seatbelts, because the adventure will continue in five years from now. Uh, who knows what we'll be saying? We'll probably be looking back uh, another 25 years from now and just saying, man, we were so ignorant and naive back then. Who would have thought we'd, God would have brought us here? And that means we're, we're on the right track, because that we're on the right track, we're on the right track is God's track, and, and we don't know where it's going. So hallelujah, it's a wild adventure. Praise the Lord. I want to pray for you today, because I really believe this is a now message for, for some people here. Um... I believe that God has something that he wants to do for certain people here. And if you're here today and you have a stirring inside, you have, you know, you got that little miss GPS inside and she's, she's saying, course correction, it's time. It's time. I'm going to have you take a step. And it might, like I said, it might be some big, grand, huge, spiritual, earth-shattering thing. But for you, it might not be. It might. You might think, well, this seems kind of uh, modest. It's just this little step he's wanting me to take. Uh, I'm going to invite you, if you would like to have all of us as a body pray for you and pray for a fearless response to that GPS, that Holy Spirit, that wild goose. Uh, I'm going to just ask you to stand to your feet. If you'll just stand to your feet right now, I'm going to pray for you. I want to pray for you right now. Whatever it is, you feel like there's a, you feel that call, you feel that nudging inside. God's got something there. I don't know that maybe you don't know the end result. Maybe he hasn't given you a fleshed-out vision of what it all is going to look like. But you feel the call to take that step. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, you see every precious person standing here today. Those who are watching by live stream right now, Lord God, who are praying the same prayer. I thank you, Lord God. You see us right where we are. You know us so intimately, Lord God. You know everything going on in our life, and you, you and them alone know that call of the wild that you have issued into their spirit. I thank you, Father. The people standing, these are the people, these are the courageous ones, these are the ones who are saying yes. They're willing to say yes. They're willing to say yes. When you've called us to a land, we know not where it is or anything about it, but we're willing to say yes. I thank you, Father, for a fresh anointing of fearlessness, of courage and faith and trust, Lord God. Hallelujah. Lord God, may we not fear circumstances. May we not be afraid of what people might say. Remove our fear of men. Lord, may we not be afraid of where the money will come from because you are our supply. You are our source. Whoever's name is on the check doesn't matter. It's you, Lord God. It comes from you. You are our wellspring of life. I thank you, Lord God, that every person who's standing here today Lord God, that you are showing them what we pray for is the next right step. Lord, I thank you for making it really clear in their minds. I thank you for removing all the fog, all the confusion, all the fear, all the wonder. I thank you, Lord God, that you just help them to see very clearly the next right step. Turn that flashlight on brightly, that one foot ahead of us, so we know where to go. And we trust you, Lord. Our faith is in you. Our faith is not in the things of this world. It's not in any formulas or magic. It is in you. Our faith is in the good, good Father, that you will be there at that step. When we take that step, Lord, I think you'll show them the next right step and the one after that and the one after that. We'll not be afraid when you reroute us. We trust it. We trust it. We know, Lord God, that you're taking us to places of greater blessing. You're you're helping us to avoid roadblocks, Lord God, that are just going to make us spin sideways energy. I thank you, Lord God, that you are taking us the best route possible because you're a good God. I thank you, Lord God, that we can put our future in your hands. All of our days, we can put them in your hands. You said if we would trust you. Lord God, every person here. I thank you, Lord God. Help us to lean in to each other, to the community you've planted us here, Lord God, to rely on each other, to share and encourage. Keep each other accountable, Lord God. May we do that unafraid. May we do that uh, without offense. Thank you, Lord. May we do it in love. May we walk out our lives in grace and truth. I thank you, Father, for the miracles that are about to happen in the lives of these people. I can't wait to hear them. And I'm just so grateful I get to play a part of it. Thank you, Lord God, that we all get to play a part in each other's lives. Thank you, Lord, for planting us in this place together. You've made us family. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We praise you. We honor you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Oh, man, that's good. I, I'm expecting to hear some good reports. And uh, hey, I would be really eager to hear if there's, if, if you want a uh, uh, prayer partner, just somebody to kind of like be agreeing with you about whatever this thing is going on in your life, let me know. Uh, you know, on the church app, there's a questions for pastor button, let me know what's going on in your life. I would love to be a partner with you, a prayer partner with you. And just every time I see you, we would just be like, go, go, go. How's it going? And uh, so let me know. If there's any prayer requests that you have, uh, whatever's going on in your life, please let us know. There's a lot of different ways to let us know You online and through the church app again, the website. Um, you can put your prayer request also in piece paper and put it in the offering bucks, buckets. And, um, Pastor Albert's going to be down forward. If there's anybody who would like face-to-face prayer, someone to stand with you in faith, come on down. Let him pray for you there. Uh, if you are, uh, if you bring in your tithes and offerings today. Thank you so much for, for just being such a blessing and for being faithful in your giving. Last year, I tell you what, it was a tough year for a lot of people, uh, but we made it through. We made it through, and we got to be a blessing to other people as well. Because of your generosity, you're being a blessing. So thank you so much. Um, this is a, a new year. We're going to build churches this year. We're going to do some amazing stuff. all over. We're, not, we're, we're just getting started here. And so uh, thank you for, for giving and uh, your faithfulness, and honoring God. It's how we honor God. Amen. Will will you just stand to your feet with me? Let me bless you this morning, friends. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift his countenance to you and grant you peace in this day that we're living in. There's grace and there's peace if you're willing to take it. Grace and peace, my friends. Grace and peace. Amen. Bye-bye.